Hello, listeners. Welcome back. I am Nicola Volpi. This is the Lost in Postulation podcast. And this week, I am not joined by Neil Fitzpatrick. I am flying solo. Neil has left me. He's gone off on a well-deserved holiday. As uh, so we've decided here on Lost in Postulation to adopt some MBA load management tactics to ensure that Neil is at his postulatory peak coming into this summer season. He's left for Singapore and Bali, exploring the southeast of Asia. Very curious to see what postulations he comes back with from that trip. I myself am a big fan of Singapore, not such a huge fan of Bali, so let's see what Neil says. For this week, given Neil's absence, what I've done is I've mashed up an archive on a specific topic which we've actually been covering almost since the inception of the podcast, which is the rivalry of the past year, year and a half between Chris Rock and Will Smith. Everything for us started in episode three, where I asked Neil to postulate his way through a scenario where he would be stuck on a plane between the two rivals, Chris Rock and Will Smith, and would have to bring about peace between them. We then went through all of Neil's scenarios in a subsequent episode, which you'll also hear on this, got some listener postulations, and then, to our surprise, earlier this spring, Chris Rock released a Netflix special where he addressed the topic, and we were able to kind of bring everything to a nice conclusion and also have a bit of a view on the current state of comedy and Neil's actual stand-up endeavors from a past life. So, I hope you enjoy what we've put together. What you will notice, however, is that the audio quality gets progressively better and better uh, throughout those clips from different episodes, which uh, is very much testament to the journey we've been on as a podcast. We'll probably be back next week together recording live, Neil and myself, with a mailbag of listener postulations. We have kind of a backlog of those, so we wanted to include a bunch of those. It's great to see everyone engaging in particular with the Google reviews, sending us in their Google reviews. We have a few very funny ones to discuss and postulate on next week. As always, feel free to reach out to us, send us any postulations you might have, feedback, thoughts, comments. You can tweet at us at InPostulation. You can email us. That's lostinpostulation at gmail.com. Now, before I let you off into the episode, please remember to rate or review us in the app of your choice. It really helps to grow the podcast. Now, sit back, relax. You won't miss Neil too much because he's in all of these recordings. And enjoy your postulatory experience. What you will be doing is going on what is one of the longest flights in the world from Singapore Changi Airport oh, yeah. to New York City. Which is a JFK or are we talking Newark? I think it's Newark yeah. and oh, it's okay. uh, 17 hours and 50 minutes it's a bit long. of time, right? A bit long. And uh, you will be uh, be sitting, it's it's an old configuration of a plane. No. So it's, it's three and three uh, and you have the middle seat between uh, two historic rivals of your choosing uh, and essentially uh, to uh, to get your paycheck 
uh, and to avoid your own prison time, you need to bring about peace between these well, two people. Why did prison? <laughs> it escalated. It's the, it's the, the Singaporeans, you know, they tipped off the guys in New York, oh. and, uh, and you're... New York is North Jersey, so yeah, yeah. I just I thought I might be making some money out of this, but now I'm going to jail. I don't. <laughs> Tables uh, have turned. Okay, geez. so um, we'll set it up where where you choose, and then uh, yeah. and then we'll see uh, how it evolves, right? Absolutely. I'll bring a report for the next uh, next episode. So you get to choose. The first pair are Stephen King and James Patterson. Oh, bringing back Stephen. Now they hate each other. Is it true? Yeah. Especially On Stephen the towards James Patterson. Yeah. We have quotes to, to back this up? Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. we do. So King calls James Patterson a very successful but not very good writer oh. uh, because Stephen King is is adamant about the fact that he writes all his own stuff, yeah. whereas Patterson is essentially a brand where he does an outline and he has co-writers and he's very yeah. open about it. Yeah. Uh, Patterson takes King's uh, criticism quite lightly okay uh but stephen king is quite uh quite hard on him there's something uh, cringe about those like one-sided rivalry story like the other is like I, okay you there's can, some you complex can, there yeah, yeah. yeah now the only thing is i can't take this one i think because i don't know enough about patterson to really uh okay that's drive at home right that's fair enough as much as i would love to sit next to stephen i think uh let's yeah. see who else we got and yeah. I'll, I'll come back yeah the other one is uh uh <laughs> kanye west oh. not against the world we could have done that but that it's kanye good. west against taylor swift Ooh. Oh, geez, I don't envy anybody on that. That's fight. a beef that's gone on for now, you know, yeah, 13 it's years or something. A few really weird twists and turns yeah, as well. Jeez. Absolutely. I like, I'm going to wait for it to see what the other option is, but I feel terrible about that one. But yeah. okay, let's, uh, let's see. Another one is Elton John, Sir Elton oh, and Madonna. Yeah. No way. They have a beef. long standing beef, apparently. Huh. Yeah. I feel like that's one you could probably solve on that flight. Like, because, Maybe. you know, they're, they're so great. They're well popular. That none of them have, like, at least as far as I know, they haven't, like, directly, you know, called each other. Have they? I don't know. Like, there's, uh, there's some Elton quotes which we can, you know, delve into like, if you choose to resolve that not, conflict. Yeah. yeah. Does not yeah. care for Madonna. Jeez. No, and vice no, no. versa. That's a shocker because he seems like a quite, you know, friendly dude. Yeah. And, easy yeah. to work with. Big parties, yeah. invites everyone. But yeah. Okay. But so, Madonna. Yeah. So that's are these my these are my choices? No, no. So okay. you have two more. Oh, great. Uh, okay, just okay. in case. So good, good, what, good. Cardi B and Nicki Minaj. No, I thought they were friends. No. Well, they were. Then they started calling each other out and it escalated to the point where apparently Cardi B threw a shoe at oh. Nicki Minaj. And, and they know, haven't patched that up. No, so that's there's, there's a lot to delve into there, apparently. Huh. I have to, I, I'm going to be careful, you know, not to be too disparaging, but I just would like to say that I don't think I'm the right person for this job. Okay. I, don't, I don't think I will deliver the results that are expected okay. in this particular setup. And that's fair. You need to know your limits because remember yeah. the downside of this is you end up in a Jersey prison. Exactly. I just can't Potentially extradited to Singapore. Which is even worse. Yeah. yeah. So I just can't see those two ladies turning around and saying, Neil, you did a great job patching up our, our, our rift here. So I'm actually getting a little concerned because we've been through four groups and I don't feel confident about any, but uh, yeah. okay, let's so see. So your conflict resolution skills, which you've been honing over the years, you might come think. in handy with this fifth duo. Okay. Will Smith and Chris Rock. Yeah, I think I, I, I see this, right? Because they're both, at the end of the day, think reasonable guys right i know will is right on the edge of reasonable let's say but i think by the end of the 17 hours we'll be cracking jokes laughing away I, that one I, I think i can manage however of course i'll need to take this away and really you know yeah pressure test it and, and need and, to ruminate a bit and yeah, uh, postulate yeah. even yeah. postulate exactly yeah. and then we can pick up on it uh exactly. on, on the next episode i'm gonna go so far as to say lock it in lock let's it in it. so singapore to new york city yep 
Will Smith on one side, Chris Rock on the other. They still haven't patched things up. Yeah. Let's assume. And yeah. I also they're probably... not ready to talk. Apparently, Chris isn't ready to talk to him. Yet. Oh, really? Is that yeah. and that's the case? Still? Okay. Yeah, apparently, I'll need to deep dive a little bit into like the full backstory here. But uh, I'll also need to postulate as to why we're in Singapore on our way to New York. Maybe yes. that's a small detail. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'll I'll come with a full story ready. How does it feel? It doesn't feel fantastic. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I, I thinking back to last episode, I really jumped at this one uh, as as the one I wanted yeah. to do. And as soon as I started actually thinking about it, I instantly regretted it because if you get into uh, the the specifics of it, which I, I have done, I've now like been a bit of a celebrity gossip pop culture nerd for the last like a uh, couple of days, just getting mm. into it. And uh, my hopes are not super high, let's say. Mm. I also would like to caveat that I'm not going to even attempt to explain or postulate why it is that I'm going to get arrested if I don't solve this. So I don't think there's, I don't think there's like a, a real world scenario where that is the case. But I do think I can postulate as to how I end up in this scenario. Let's say, mm-hmm. and we we can get into that. Okay. So without further ado, should I just uh, just, just, just take away? over? Tell us. Okay. So genuinely, this is not even. Uh, too far off the beaten track i do want to go to to singapore at some point right great place i think i've never been it looks great i played a lot of geo guesser during covid and <laughs> you can always tell singapore because it's like beautifully uh modern super green tropical foliage clean. uh clean uh their road signs are also very particular so that's a mm-hmm. giveaway they drive on the left anyway all that all that all that aside uh, singapore looks great i haven't been there other than virtually and i could see myself being there even in the next year probably. i think you would like it I think I would. I love Japan. So I think it's like not a million miles and obviously very different, but still, you know, a a huge experience for someone like me to to go and see. So let's say I go there for for holiday purposes. And uh, meanwhile, Chris and Will are both there for two unrelated reasons. One Mm -hmm. of them's filming. The other one is doing like a humanitarian uh, something in Southeast Asia. And uh, maybe it's Will who's doing humanitarian stuff. And Chris is doing... uh, Okay. He could, he's doing uh, some Adam Sandler movie yeah, like grown ups one for, one for yeah. them yeah, yeah. Not, not one of his passion projects let's say anyway <laughs> we are booked to get back to JFK then I'm on some kind of world uh, worldwide trip and I'm flying economy by the way just to be clear like me and Yura would have scraped together the, the money I just think you to... were going to Newark actually oh Newark sorry yeah. correct correct and that's because uh, you know she's never been to New York we want to you know uh, yeah. we want to do that next right uh, so we're sitting in the, the departure lounge and uh, there's a little announcement where it's like, can Mr. Fitzpatrick please come to the uh, the desk? We have a, a seating issue. And long story short, I get upgraded, right? They're wow. like, we have a, we have one in first class for you, actually. Oh, wow. And if you would like, uh, we we can only offer it to you. We can't offer it to your girlfriend. And we're, we know that's a big uh, inconvenience. <laughs> I'm just like, no, it's fine. Just, uh, just go. So uh, I, I get upgraded, right? And then uh, they, I've never flown first class, but uh, my understanding is that they board them first and separately and it's all very you know, nicely mm-hmm. done. So anyway, we board first class and I go to sit down and uh, who's sitting to my immediate side? But Chris Rock. And I'm like, whoa. It's a cramped first class. Very, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's not, it's not those like cabins, you know, like yeah, where even, it's exactly. like one of those real, yeah. uh, maybe they even make an announcement about that actually where they say, uh, you know, just due to uh, some of the issues with logistics, we've had to use uh, an older airline for this one. We deeply apologize. We'll do our best to make sure it's comfortable, blah, 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 you know. But it is going to be a 17-hour flight on an old uh, configuration, right? So uh, I genuinely in this situation would play it very cool. So I'm I'm not going to, you know, be, oh, my God, I'm a huge fan. I, I wouldn't even acknowledge that it's him. You know, I'd just be like, hey, sorry. I'd treat him like, like anyone else, right? Then I sit down, buckle the seatbelts, maybe take out a 
phone game or something. And who sits down to my right? William Smith or Will, as he prefers. <laughs> and I'm just oh, like, can't believe your eyes. I cannot believe this. And then I get a little text on my phone, being like, "This is the U.S. government. We need you to resolve this mm-hmm. conflict for the for the good of the U.S. economy. We need you to resolve this conflict before you land. We've also uh, found that you are." A suspect in a murder case or something, 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 something. Yeah, you and made that's someone what, for action, right? Exactly. So the FBI is like, you either fix this or you're going down. Right. Anyway, God, this is a detailed uh, setup. Anyway, so we <laughs> we take off. I'm on. I have my mission now, which is to resolve this conflict between these two gentlemen by the time we land. Seventeen hours. So I did some research on this on this conflict, the slap, right? Uh, and you mentioned actually, in, I think it was the first episode that Will has been on Trevor Noah recently. He did a long interview on Trevor Noah, and yeah. I suffered through the whole thing. Half was, an hour, right? It was yeah. mostly nonsense and just like total, uh, you know, self congratulatory. I'm so great. Look at this amazing movie I did. You know? Did you count how many times he says, you know? Someone else did. It was 97. Ah, okay. So, there you go. And I think that speaks to his current mental state, actually. So we'll, we'll come back to that. But in general, I found that interview, like everything else he's done since then, to be kind of um, perfunctory and just kind of uh, going through the motions of what you should do right. when you've done something like this. I do think he regrets it because I would regret it if my career was was tanked over something I did impulsively, but like only to that extent, right? I think probably potentially deep down, he's like, yeah, well, he should have kept his wife's name out of, out of his mouth. You know, mm-hmm. like he, he probably still thinks that. Anyway, uh, my current assessment of the situation, looking at Will and how he's behaving in that uh, interview and everything since is that he's a, a shadow of his former self, right? He's like, uh, yeah. he's lost his confidence completely. He's like saying, you know, every three words, which to me suggests that it, like, you know, is that phrase of like, are you with me? Are you listening? Are you, mm-hmm. is this making sense? Which the is not insecure. Right? Yeah, it's not no. will. Like it's not, it's not no. what he's like. So he's not in a good place. And one thing he did say in the, in the Trevor Noah interview is like, you never know where someone is in their head. And that night I was going through something and blah, blah, blah. And I'm willing to, kind of let that slide i'm actually not going to make much of a judgment as to the right or wrong of it all i'm saying is i think it's highly likely that the guy was not in a healthy mental state then and probably still isn't in a right protectively brilliant place right putting that to one side chris chris rock has been weirdly quiet on this yeah. and i think he knows exactly what he's doing mm. he even he even referenced that recently he was doing a stand-up show i think in september of this year mm. And somebody from he took he takes questions from the audience a bit like how uh, we saw um, the the lads do it Dave Chappelle do it here in Copenhagen right? Oh, right. Yeah. they do the show and then they kind of take questions from the yeah. audience so he got he got a question about the slap as I'm sure he does every every time he does this and he said something to the effect of guys you paid for these tickets but you didn't pay that much I'm not getting into it here I'm going to talk to Netflix about that or something like that he said mm-hmm. it as a joke but a lot of truth is said in jest and I actually think he's going to have. A documentary at some point which is like chris got slapped you know everybody stops okay. chris something something along those lines produced by him at least in part like he's going to have a big deal with netflix where okay. they will buy exclusive rights to his take on it basically uh-huh. and uh he'll talk through it and how deeply it affected him and maybe they get will on or you know oh. whatever right yeah. but i think he knows that this is the side of what's the phrase like he knows what side his bread is buttered basically he's like I can't go talk about this now because the most way, the way I can make the most money from it is by taking it later, you know? Okay. I do also think though that he's not like massively torn up about it. Like, right. personally, I think he's like, it was a really shit thing that someone did. Oh, sorry, maybe I shouldn't, uh, we, can, we can bleep that out. But well, <laughs> we've already been rated as explicit. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, that's not, that's not changing. <laughs> so it was a bad thing that he did. And uh, 
I do think though that like he's a big boy and like he, he's probably emotionally far past that at this point mm-hmm. and he's just kind of biding his time as to when to accept the apology and, and whatever okay and that's where I think I'm going to exploit in this in this strategy so okay. I know this was a long lead-in but yeah, here, here but we I go love it. insightful so part one of my strategy is in hours this is a 17-hour flight by the way okay. so let's say the first two hours is pure icebreaking where I'm not going to have either guy interact with each other. I'm sure they're aware that, that they're there, but they're not going to talk to each other. Right. So I'm going to keep to myself. I'm going to focus on watching a movie or playing a phone game or something. And if I get a chance when they come with the tea or the coffee, I'm going to just like, you know, do like I would with a stranger. I'll just be like, oh, do you want something? No. Okay, cool. You know, just something like that. Keep it, keep it friendly just to show I'm here to be friendly. I'm not here to, you know, ruffle any feathers, whatever. And, uh, if it ever comes to it where they raise it for some reason, if they're like, look at this, what were the chances, you know, I'll be like, oh, guys, don't leave me out of it. You know, I'm not, mm-hmm. I, you know, sorry. I know, I know how it, what it is, but like, you know, let's just try and uh, get through this fight. Right. right. Here's where it gets, uh, here's okay. where it gets interesting. Right? Okay. So, so you've, you've broken the ice. I've broken the ice yeah. and have lowered their guard. Right. All so right. they, they think that I'm not here to fix anything. Right. Right. We wait for the first meal, right? So I guess on a 17-hour flight, there's going to be meal, sleep, meal, landing, something like that, right? Yeah, probably in first class, even three or four meals. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But the meal, I find, is my opening. That's when people's guards are even more down. You know, they're they're kind of more receptive to to interacting and and what have you. So I'm going to make up that I don't like a particular thing Mm -hmm. that has has come in, right? So let's say we all get served... uh, spaghetti bolognese <laughs> i don't know why like i think at first class it's probably a bit fancier than that but spaghetti bolognese right okay, yeah. with a with a bit of like yeah, parmesan cheese or whatever lovely in a little packet wow and then packet. yeah because then it's uh you know it's an airline they, they gotta they gotta pre-package these things <laughs> right so uh i'm gonna turn to will and i go will uh do you want this parmesan i'm actually i'm not gonna say his name i'm gonna say hey sorry do you want this uh this parmesan i'm, I'm okay he's probably gonna be like no i'm good i'm like okay no worries and i'm like uh, chris by the way sorry do you want uh just extra parmesan i don't know if you like parmesan okay and he may take it or he may not right but this is this is now me just extending an olive branch just opening up the door to, to potential dialogue parmesan right? diplomacy exactly as, as we as we know it's very uh, effective but here's here's where it, it ramps up the gear we're now like three or four hours in right mm-hmm. we're coming up to the sleep time but it's going to be movie time pretty soon and I'm assuming we're doing it now, right? Which is the, what, the 20th of, of December. That's when we're flying. I'm sure there's going to be a Christmas movie on the screen available. And I'm hoping that A Muppet's Christmas Carol is the one that's on it. Now, that's very specific, okay. but you'll see why. Because my whole angle in this is Will Smith is not in a good place mentally. Chris Rock is not necessarily fully aware of the depth of will's you know okay heart yeah. like, uh, like how much he's suffering basically right and were he aware of that he would you know come to his senses and be like look dude don't worry about it like we're, we go way back it's, it's mm. all fine you know mm. so putting it uh long story short um we we put on a muppet's christmas carol on my screen right i start watching it okay. the guys are doing their own thing but just out of the corner of their eye they're catching kermit they're catching yeah. all the characters and they're like oh you watch oh, okay cool 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 Anyway, <laughs> I don't know how effective this is going to be. So as the movie goes on, I start to cry, right? And I'm going all in because remember, I'm, I'm going down. Like I, I'm really going down. If we're I like to... five hours into the flight now yeah, or yeah, what? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So yeah. we're, we're coming up to sleepy time on the yeah. flight, you know? Yeah. So it's, it, everyone's a bit tired. It's probably like 1 a.m., you know, Singapore time. And you're super emotional. I'm super emotional. So I, I start kind of <laughs> like I do my best opera winning, you know, uh-huh. because all I need is one of the guys to go, hey, hey, man, are you okay? And I'll be like, no, it's fine. It's just the... Uh, 
it's just such a such a sad movie how you know he could be so misunderstood and you know yeah, he, yeah. he acts out he lashes out you know Ebenezer lashes out but it's it's coming from a place of of sadness you know yes. and from it from a traumatic childhood and yes. lots of other things you know and I don't mind which guy comes because if Will turns to me and goes hey man are you okay he'll be like man I went through something very similar recently don't worry I I hear you and Chris and, Chris is just going to overhear this right yeah. yeah and if Chris turns around and goes hey are you okay I'll be like yeah it's just you know it's so crazy how people wouldn't forgive Ebenezer for, for some oh, wow. of his, you know? So I'm going to play it whichever way, because I think that movie is like per the perfect analogy to this situation where we have someone who's acted out badly, but has done so because of trauma and a history of wow, negative wow, things wow. and needs to be forgiven in the spirit of Christmas, in the spirit of, you know. So anyway, I'll leave that with them then. So we get through that weird uh, move, movement. We all go to sleep, right? And everyone has their own little sleep and it's fine. But then we wake up and... That's when I need to start like accelerating things a yeah. bit. So then I just go cards on the table from there. I'm like, guys, look, I'm just going to say it. Like, isn't it, isn't it so ridiculous how this has all worked out that like we're sitting each other, you know, like we're just kind of right, call it, right. get it, get it out there. And then I, I go back to the Christmas Carol thing and I apologize for that. God, I didn't think this would go as long as it did. Sorry. I'm, uh, I mean, I'm this fully, is a, uh, I'm fully in it now. Intriguing. But then I, I bring it back up and I go to Will, like, you know, and it, it's kind of like what you had recently, Will, as well, right? And he'd be like, yeah, like, totally. I, I, I also, you know, had a really, really tough year and, and I, I did take that out a bit on Chris and da, 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 you know. You know. Yeah. And you say, you know, quite a lot. And Chris would be like, you know, I don't, like, leave me alone, guys. Like, I don't want to talk about that. Anyway, more food comes. I do the food trick again. So I, I'm like, uh, hey, does anybody want these carrots? I don't want them. Oh, you no, know. it's carrots. Okay. Yeah, wow. just just trying to, you know, get get more interaction flowing. Yeah. But then in the last hour then, so we get the the announcement being like, we'll be arriving to uh, Newark Airport in, in one hour. Tray tables up. Tray tables up. Everyone's kind of closing up. And then I'm like, you know what, guys? I think... Let's just let's just put this let's just put this aside. Like we're we're all big guys here. Like we we've had a, a really nice evening here. You guys helped me through that that time I was sad or you You know, can we not just put this whole thing aside? You know, and just wow. I, I think it has to feel not significant. It has to feel kind of uh, just kind of cursory. Like yeah yeah whatever we're cool. You know we're fine. You know. Wow. So even a little bit of social pressure for me, it's like this will make me shut up if they can just say yeah man we're fine don't worry. You know it's like I'm the weirdo here and. I need them to feel like just by saying, yeah, 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 then I'll go away, you know, and I'll shut up, you know? Yeah. So I'm kind of, I'm going all in on just a bit of weird social pressure, a weird of, a bit of weird kind of uh, uh, them feeling like they're helping me, that kind of stuff, you know? And then eventually we land, they shake hands. I'm like, guys, it's been a pleasure. Um, glad we came to a good conclusion and uh, we leave. Wow. I think I walk out a free man of Newark Airport. Wow, this is... Uh... This is inspiring. I mean, sorry for my silence on the No, on literally, my side sorry for my this, extreme uh, long-windedness. And no, uh, I'm, uh, I'm inspired. What started as a, a cursory, like, how do you do it? You know, the five-minute conversation has turned into, oh, geez, uh, potentially 15 minutes. So deeply apologize to... I think uh, you've created a template here. I think yeah. uh, in light of the holidays, I mm. mean, listeners, uh, take stock, you know? I mean, think about uh, where do you have certain conflicts where you might need to call up Neil Fitzpatrick yourself or, to get involved and mediate with Parmesan. Parmesan mediation is totally an option. Muppet Christmas Carol mediation is also hugely strong because yeah. remember the Muppet Christmas Carol is the best <laughs> visualization you'll ever get of bad behavior being corrected due to revelations and, and wow. like epiphanies. Wow. So if there's anybody in your life that you're like, okay, I don't necessarily understand why they're being an asshole, 
just show them a Muppet's Christmas Carol and you watch Muppet's Christmas Carol and you'll start to understand why Ebenezer was acting the way he was. Oh, I'll be all over the place. Charles Dickens. I mean, yeah. yeah, Charles Dickens. And Jim Henson, obviously, and, and his yeah. amazing uh, interpretation. But uh, Wow, wow, wow. There you go. Thank you for that. So you are now in North Jersey. You are a free man. Uh, you might never see Chris and Will again, but they sure might see each other again. That's, what, Thanks that's to what matters. I think they can both bond over the fact that they had to sit next to me for wow. for those 17 hours and they can laugh about it in future and say remember that time we were on a flight and there was that weirdo with the Christmas movie like yeah. that's what I'm banking on this is solid gold I love it thank you for that uh, you know uh, Christmas gift for all of us hey, the, the inspiration the least I can do yeah that's fantastic but uh, we have had strong reactions to that and none more so than Graham O'Hara our good buddy back in Ireland and uh, he Ireland. he uh, has been listening uh, religiously since the start back in the early days of uh, last uh, December and uh, he has actually sent in and this is a format I, I didn't even think that we could do but it actually makes perfect sense he has sent in a voice note we communicate often uh, over, over WhatsApp using voice notes and why not just include his postulation here on the show so we're going to drop it in here now and uh, we're going to give our take on it uh, straight after. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to hand over to uh, the virtual voice note of Graham O'Hara. Fantastic. Hello, Nicola and Neil. Uh, Graham here, uh, long-time listener, first-time voice note submitter. Um, I wanted to send in, uh, I guess, a response to something that was said on the pod. Um, in a previous episode, it was a postulation by Neil uh, around this, this scenario where he finds himself on a, on a flight from Singapore to New York where he's abandoned his girlfriend after receiving a first class ticket just in a heartbeat and uh, he finds himself sat between none, none other than Chris Rock and Will Smith uh, kind of caught between a rock and a hard bodied Will Smith if you will um, so he then receives a text from the US government if I recall saying that uh, unless he can resolve their differences um, he will be fingered for a murder. Um, I imagine there's a few winky, smiley faces in, in that message because obviously he hasn't committed this murder, which just sort of uh, makes the situation slightly worse. So that's his incentive. Now, speaking of incentives, right, he did also mention that Chris Rock has been very quiet about the whole situation, that Will Smith is on TV sort of trying to, you know, uh, smooth over his image and saying, you know, loads. Whereas Chris Rocks has been like, nope, not saying a word, um, joking that he'll do his big Netflix Meghan and Harry documentary one day. Now, I think that's key to why there's a massive flaw in the logic. So Neil talked about how he would sit there, watch Muppets Christmas Carol. He would offer the, the Parmesan diplomacy and, and sort of just ingratiate himself to these people slowly while also not being involved, you know. Uh, and then eventually he would say what he says and then, then, then they all kiss and make up. Now, I think that it's actually possible to get those two to privately reconcile. I think it's all on Chris Rock to just say, hey man, I understand what you're going through and while you know, there's no justification to slap someone, you know, we all do mad things when we're under pressure, et cetera, et cetera. It'd be a very beautiful thing. I think they'd land and it would all be great. However, I think Neil would walk off that plane thinking he'd done right, but there was one important detail was that the US economy is struggling, which is the most important thing, right? Um, capitalism is under threat, consumerism, all that stuff. And what he needs to do is make them publicly reconcile for the good of the economy. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they will privately reconcile, but there's too much incentive for Chris Rock to still do his Netflix program, which he has done nothing uh, after the slap. So he needs to do that to get the money and therefore the, the feud needs to publicly continue. And I don't think Neil can get around that. So 
since he's already going to go down for a murder, I think he may as well do the right thing. Now, I'm not saying which of the two he should murder, but murdering one of them would resolve the beef. Now, it's sort of like the train situation where you have a train coming down the track and, and if it goes left, it kills one person. If it goes right, it kills multiple people and you have the choice of sending it left or right. It's really hard to decide. So I'm going to leave it to the guys to postulate on uh, on which of Will Smith or Chris Rock dies. And, and there is an option C there. You can just go up and crash the plane. I think they both die and it's very unfortunate. And there's nothing like a celebrity death to really stir up an economy. Like this is like, you think Morocco has soft power there with the World Cup and things like that. I think America with, with its hard power um, can flex its, its sympathy muscles there. And a sympathy dollar is a very strong market. So um, I think choose wisely there, but I, I just love to see a post postulation or a, a repostulation on this with 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 that with that particular detail sort of focused on. So I'll leave it back to you, lads. You know the experts in these things. I am merely an amateur uh, postulator, but um, you know I, I aspire to be like you guys one day, and I, I love what you do, and um, you know um, I keep doing what you're doing, and and fair play, and and and, and slana while you. <laughs> wow. Um... Thank you, uh, Graham O'Hara uh, from uh, from Ireland. That is uh, that is quite a quite a counter postulation. And uh, I mean, what this podcast will go down for is uh, you know the Chris Rock Will Smith conflict resolution. This is uh, this just keeps going on. This is potentially the most that anything has ever escalated ever. Like in the in the in the shortest period of time. Wow. One minute you're listening along to the story, and then it's like, oh, oh, okay. And then, you know, as we heard, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I mean, from, from a logical perspective, and mm. Graham, uh, what, what you said makes a logical sense. Um, I am uh, I'm a bit awestruck, uh, I have to say. You're, you're you know, lost for words here. Yeah, yeah, I really am. I've uh, He really took your, your Parmesan diplomacy and, and flipped it on the side of his head. And, yeah, absolutely, he uh, did. Propose something uh, potentially much more sustainable in a sense. Well, what I like about this postulation, if I can uh, be so bold, is Graham has really dug into the context, the starting point of the postulation, and really solved it from there. You know, because he has said, okay, the U.S. government is going to imprison me unless I solve this, right. and their incentive is economic growth or prosperity, right? And that's his, he's like, if I don't solve that, then the thing's not solved. Right. Whereas when we talked about it, we were like, how do we get these two guys to be buddies yeah. again? You know, so it's an example of where the listener can, you know more accurately or more you know scientifically let's say postulate yeah. in, a, in a way that is even more accurate to the definition of postulation right. and he's really uh, the results orientation is uh, is amazing it's right root, it's ruthless yeah. i'll give it that yeah um it's not the strategy i would personally choose and i, I no. if he was here with us i would probably ask you know is there a way that I can get away with this without actually, you know, like, right. is it going to be a poisoning scenario? You know, I also wonder, even if by continuing this conversation, are we on the verge of breaching any federal laws? So I, I uh, also want to, uh, you know, stray no. on the side of uh, caution here. But uh, suffice to say, it is definitely a viable alternative if the strategy is simply to end the beef between these two guys publicly. Yeah. Well, 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 how about that? <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with that. I have to say, I'm um, happy with it. Yeah, I, I think it's. Uh, you could argue a stop clock is right twice a day, and maybe it's a fluke. But um, I also can't take all the credit here because he did kind of say it himself. Like he, he made the joke about selling his story to Netflix. I do wonder if at that time 
he had already been in talks with Netflix. Like this was back in September or something that he said yeah. it. Probably he had... The incident happened a year ago now, exactly. right? So yeah, that's yeah. kind of the timing of it. It's Oscars time again now, yeah. Right. So um, it seems like it's very much blown over. And I think Chris must have known that and, and you know, realized now's the time, Oscar season, right? You know, So mm. maybe this has been uh, in the tank for a while. But um, no better way to, to transition us into this topic than that quick look back to, uh, to episode four. Yeah. And uh, the fact that we did indeed call it. So what we'd like to do a little bit here now is to get back into this topic. We've had it a, a, a long time ago, so it's time to revisit a little bit, particularly in light of Chris's new stand-up special. Yes. So, yes. Nicola, you, sir, have watched the special. I did indeed. I didn't watch it live. I watched it the next morning. Uh, Which is eager, eager, like seriously eager from your part, because it only came out a few days ago. Exactly. You were like wasting no time. 7.30 in the morning, Chris exactly. Rock, yeah. with your breakfast. Prime comedy time. I, I highly recommend. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah. uh, in, on that point of, of highly recommending, do you highly recommend it? And please do uh, give the listener your own, uh, your own thoughts. I do. Um, I think... And contextually, I recommend it even more, right? Given mm. given the journey, let's say, uh, of the last year. Um, first thing for me, uh, Chris Rock, avid listener of the podcast, hopefully, mm. speaking to the man, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I'm a big fan. I've always been. I think you are uh, one of the best uh, stand-up comedians of your generation, you know, coming through that mid-90s SNL mm-hmm. generation mm-hmm. with the Sandlers, the Spades, the Farleys, etc. Uh, and uh, now I'm going to stop talking to him because it gets a bit weird, right? I'm going to talk about him. Um, he's managed, regardless of having made what I assume is significantly more money through his films, he has actually kept to his craft and also kept doing what he loves. Uh, and of those guys is one of the few that still, basically 30 years later, is popping up on stages and going on tours and doing his stand-up, mm. even though it's one of the most difficult things to do, potentially at least rewarding also from a financial perspective, etc. Mm. So mm. just, I really appreciate that. Now, in terms of the whole incident with, with Will uh, and how that went down last year, and we followed up a lot on it, I think the way Chris Rock has handled it now, whether, you know, we won't do any moral judgments on uh, the the quality of the joke, whether he was in the right and the wrong. But beyond that, after the incident, I think the way he's handled himself has been incredibly mm-hmm. a class act, if you will. Yeah. Super mature uh, gentleman to an extent, kept quiet, didn't kind of extend this beef or, or call out any things. Uh, and then he he gets this this Netflix deal. Um, and I love how he handled that because what did he not do? He didn't do the Oprah tearjerker mm-hmm. interview. And I love Oprah, but there's a time and a place, right? Mm-hmm. He also didn't do the get a camera crew to follow me around in my personal life. You know, six hour Netflix special like some of our royal friends yeah. have done. Mm-hmm. What did he do instead? He stayed true to his craft and he said, look, I'm going to do what I do best and I'm going to do a stand-up special and actually trial something totally new out for Netflix, which is another very interesting component here. Well, is it new for Netflix? I wonder? Like, what's new about it for Netflix? So the new part isn't like having uh, a stand-up special, but mm. to actually stream it live. So this oh. was live television oh, okay. for Netflix. I didn't know uh, that. I didn't know yeah, that. Okay. which is interesting because on the one hand, the cynic in me says, hey, Netflix is clutching at straws. Mm. You know, they're, they're going for live. On the other hand, 
like when the numbers come through of that mm. um i i think it's it could be something worth worth for them exploring not just mm. obviously in the niche of stand-up comedy but with with other things as well yeah this industry i only recently learned the name of it actually it's like simulcasting you know yeah where it's like you don't get to go to the event but you get to watch it at the same time as it happens right, right? and I think when I heard about that concept, I would have been very bullish about it, actually. And it said something like, wow, this is the future of entertainment, you know, and isn't it going to be great when we can all go to watch the simulcast of stuff? But this was like a few years ago when this started, I think, maybe just pre-COVID. And I have to say, it hasn't really taken off as a concept. Like, I, I, I do remember seeing cinemas selling tickets to watch the, you know, Berlin Philharmonic from Copenhagen you know like yeah. this that kind was of really stuff. big for a while yeah you'd exactly. go in and see like but theater did, or, yeah. but did you ever go to it no like, I never did yeah me neither and I think that's the problem like it's just not such a good sell and like you didn't watch Chris Rock live just now either right like you no whatever it was about the proposition it just didn't pull you in you're no, like that's okay. a fair point yeah. yeah so I'm wondering like it's great that they're trying something and maybe it's the future but if i had to put money on it now as to like will this particular thing this concept take off as a new way of consuming performance i'm like nah, maybe yeah. not yeah. probably only for like kind of that blockbuster event with all that baggage as mm. this one was right yeah, yeah um but yeah i mean back to chris you mm. know he sells out this venue in in baltimore by the way awesome that he did it in baltimore mm-hmm. uh, big fans on lost in postulation Huge, yeah. of, uh, of the city of baltimore uh, he sells this out and he uh, he comes onto the stage, he picks up his microphone uh, and, and, and he gets into it. Yeah. Uh, and essentially those first 20 minutes, uh, he made me laugh quite a bit. That's the point, folks. Um, I genuinely enjoyed it. The middle part was more kind of a transportation where I thought it lacked a bit in originality of the jokes. But mm. I mean, you're there, he's there for an hour talking nonstop, playing off of the audience. So yeah. that's you know, bound to happen, I think. And then only in those last 10 minutes, and I think technically it's just those last seven minutes, mm-hmm. he gets into the incident. Oof. And there's like this this steady crescendo. And I think just the, the way he did it was was quite, uh, quite, uh, quite funny. I think he struck the right balance. Uh, he also wasn't petty. He didn't seem, you know, out for revenge, whatever. And without any spoilers, then he, he ends with this final one-liner, which results in a mic drop, standing ovation, and then and then you have uh, Watch the Throne by, by Kanye and Jay, you know, in the, in, the, in the background, and he's just taking in all the applause. And I, it was just, it was refreshing to, to see somebody, and, and definitely not his best performance. Yeah. I mean, don't get yeah, me yeah. wrong, because, yeah. I mean, uh, definitely not. And there's probably something in there about stand-up comedy, like, you know, how difficult it is and, mm. and contextual, whatever. Uh, but it was just great to see, refreshing, like I said, a master of his craft, mm. just just owning a stage like that and, uh, and, and answering even to kind of this beef with comedy the way yeah. he does it without making it a one hour roast on will smith yeah because that would have been too easy actually and that's what i respect why i respect chris rock and how how he approached this i think that i buy that argument right so i love that you've correctly pointed out that he had many ways to go about this mm. and this was probably the best of, of many and i don't know how much a role he personally would have had in choosing that versus mm. say doing a six episode uh, macro series <laughs> through netflix which i don't think anyone anyone would have loved but um i have a, a further postulation on this though mm. and maybe it's a bit it's not so much against against chris and i haven't seen it so i'm not going to get into into that specifically but you made uh, you mentioned the words there of like uh, not making it too easy right that uh, it didn't take the easy route of just roasting will for for an hour right right but 
tell me what you think of this, right? I, I postulate, I, I put to you, sir, that there are actually two types of stand-up comedy. There's stand-up comedy where you know who you're going to see and pay big money to see them. Mm-hmm. And the stand-up where you don't know who you're going to see and you are like, I'm just going to hopefully laugh. Like, let's see, it's an open mic. Let's right. see what happens, right? right? And I would put to you that those two things are drastically different mm. media slash events slash experiences, sure. right? And... Uh, I've been to enough big name comedy gigs. Uh, I've seen Ricky Gervais. Uh, we've saw, we saw John Stewart. We Dave saw Chappelle, we saw, saw Chappelle. Right? Yeah. Uh, paid big money for that, or at least like somewhere in the region of eighty to ninety euro kind of thing for like those concert money. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So there's two things that I think change the 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 dynamic there. Number one is just some cost fallacy that you've paid big money to get here. So you're you're going to make sure yourself that you're going to laugh your ass off. Like you're you're going to be quite sympathetic, I think, to everything mm-hmm. that's said. Mm-hmm. It's unusual, I think, that you would pay ninety or a hundred euro to go to a comedy gig and just sit there stone faced, being like, "Don't like this, don't like this yeah. at all." Second of all, it's the celebrities who who you're just happy to see no matter what, right? And that celebrity can therefore come out on stage and say basically anything. Like, uh, I really think Chris is one. Chris Rock is one of those people that could come out and just be like, "So I had cornflakes for breakfast today," and that crowd would go, "What?" Like yeah. just because that also his cadence and how he says yeah. things is oh, yeah yeah you know. and true he is naturally right. gifted and funny like for sure but I also think that room full of people are probably the most sympathetic audience in the world and mm-hmm. his job therefore of making them laugh is like actually not super hard for him I would say okay sure. not not taking away anything from him as a comedian who's he's one of the greatest as you say of all yeah. time but I think he falls now into that same category that Ricky Gervais does when he does these stadium tours which is like people are just happy to see him. And he can literally say whatever, and people will be like, ah. Like with aging musicians is often the case, right? sympathetic audiences, basically, is what I mean. And it's so far removed from where they came from, where Chris Rock himself probably came from, which is those early days where no one knows who you are, and it's make them laugh or you're off, like you're off, you're you're done, you know? Right. So I think my only reflection is what I'm I'm sick of, right, is when I watch a special, as they're called now, you know, these one-hour specials, it seems like more of it is being taken up by applause than laughter, right? Where mm. the comedian will say something just like, yeah, that's why I don't like the da-da-da. And right. the, the crowd goes, ha-ha-ha, clap, 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 clap. And then as we're here sitting at home just like, okay, can yeah, was, I agree, but let's go on, you know? Yeah. They become these kind of applause fests or like worship fests mm-hmm. or whatever. It's a celebration rather than, you know. Exactly. It's not standard. really comedy. Mm. Or, so... I think my my hesitancy to watch it is, is coming from there, actually. So, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm going to hand back over to you now no, no, to, no. to give you something to react to there. I think that's a very fair point, uh, especially when you you talk about that, you know, in the audience. And I think you mm. and I, we had that. So, we went to, it must be now, more than four years ago, right? We went yeah. to see Chappelle and Stewart. Mm. Um, and we had that where the first hour was Stewart, uh, if you remember, mm. uh, to me, it, it it was almost a bit lazy comedy uh, yeah. at the time. You know, Trump was present, and Cheap he shots. basically did an hour at Trump, yeah, right? And there was some funny stuff there, uh, but there we kind of it was more like that applause rather than laughter thing yeah. from from the audience, right? Mm. Chappelle comes on, absolutely kills it, and I think some of the hardest I've laughed in my life, right? Yeah, so sure, sure, sure. it can go both ways. Now on this Chris Rock one, yes, the crowd in Baltimore—that's one thing. But I had no vested interest to be laughing mm. in my kitchen while I'm having breakfast. Yeah. Right? From home. And that's how I measured it. And like I said, I genuinely laughed those first 15, 20 minutes mm. and those last 10. And that part in between 
was more what you're talking about, I think, where probably I'm not being harsh enough on that part in between either because Mm. it's Chris Rock. Exactly. You're like, well, the legend is here. You know, like you're you're just happy that he's producing content whatsoever. I think it's fair. Absolutely. It's a good shout. It's a good shout. I'm proud of that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're nailing a few today, huh? Yeah, a few postulations. No, absolutely. But I think it's um, what what it really got me thinking about because I hadn't watched, you know, stand up in a while but it's also like and like i said like how hard this thing is to do Mm. um and i know actually you've had some some experience in the field (laughs) so maybe you can tell us firsthand well yeah i think it's good to get into it because uh what I was hoping to use this section for is basically a massive encouragement to anybody with even the slightest inclination to ever doing it. Just freaking find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Don't care what age you are, what what part of what life stage you're in. Please find a way to get to an open mic, write five minutes of material and do it. Because honestly, probably one of the best things I ever did in, mm-hmm. in my, in terms of like life experiences, right? Uh, I won't get into the whole story of it, but basically I ended up doing it almost unplanned. I was with some friends who were doing a comedy show in Edinburgh and the support act dropped out and they needed us, anyone to open the show. And I was like, I guess I could try it. And this know? is how long before uh, having to hit the stage? Uh, about three hours, four hours. Oh, wow. So the adrenaline is, is dumping at this point, you know. And uh, we together, it wasn't me writing it, me and that group of guys, we just kind of threw together a few jokes, five minutes of stuff. And five minutes is like three minutes because you have to have time for laughing and transitions and whatever. Oh, so, okay, yeah. But anyway, getting on the stage, uh, all, when it actually came down to it, it was like the scariest, the most adrenaline pumping thing ever. But it went ridiculously well. I don't know why uh, to this day. <laughs> but the what happened then was for the following like four hours, I would say for the entire rest of the night, I was on the highest of highs. You can you literally right. like nothing beats it. And like I've, I've tried it. I've tried many other things. You know, I've had things go well. Yeah, say in a work context, or I've had you know uh, concerts that go well, and then it, like nothing comes close to this. You have you come off the stage feeling like I'm lit. There's nothing that I can't do. It's like phenomenal. And since then, before you do it, you always feel I could never do it. No way. Like, no, no way. What if it goes wrong? What if it goes wrong? And having done it once, your perspective shifts a bit, at least for me, where it's like, who cares? Like, yeah, it goes wrong. Whatever. Like, right. I survive. I'm fine. And that same realization gets carried over to every part of your life then after, at least for me. Maybe oh, I'm well. like, I sound like some kind of a self-help guru here, but like, all I'm saying is... Uh, you the, are a self-help guru. I guess I'm becoming one slowly but surely. <laughs> but uh, my point, I guess, is like, getting to a point of jumping into something that can go massively wrong and even if it does go massively wrong which i've also had in subsequent gigs it it, it did go wrong but uh what you realize is nothing matters like it it does not hurt at all like you an hour later are back to normal and therefore every other time you go to pre- present in work or you go to like do something big out in the world in whatever context like say when i was at your wedding i was doing like a kind of a an mce kind of role right right no nerves i was just like it's gonna be fine like i'll yeah. it'll be like you, you play just, the audience too right like, yeah 100 yeah. and like you learn that i guess through more time than i've spent doing stand-up but like i guess the the key thing i wanted to land is just like i'm sure there's someone listening who has always at the back of their mind thought they could see themselves doing it, but oh God, it would be so scary. And oh God, I don't know if it would go well. But all I'm saying is there is so much bad stand-up out there right now. All you're going to, the worst case scenario, you'll just be adding one more to the pile. And best case scenario, you'll be coming away with a phenomenal experience that may even like transform you a little bit. Okay. So you you made the point there just before now that this was something difficult to do. And I fully agree. It's very, right. very difficult, but also massively rewarding. 
Yeah. Which it's a high mean? risk, high reward, right? I mean... But is it high risk? Like, what's the risk? Like, No, I mean, if you you're, have, you're probably in a room full of people you don't know, right? Yeah. So it's just your, your ego bruised for a few hours if you get... I don't see any risk. off yeah. or however it works, right? Like, You'll never get booed off. What, no. you'll, what you'll get is silence, right? Silence, like, which and, is worse yeah, in but, that context. But even dealing with that will be invaluable to you because mm. imagine you say a joke and it ends on and that's why the phone was on the table and you're right. waiting for the big explosion of laughter and it just never comes right so how do you deal with that moment like right. you, you now have to reach into yourself and find a way to get through this and you'll develop that skill then by by doing it once or twice or how many times and that same skill will stand to you in many many other times when you're left without words when you're left without any idea what to do next you'll draw upon whatever experience you've had in that painful wow. <laughs> moment, right? That's so, resilience and agility, yeah, right? Like that's 100%. what it comes down to. I, I really think so. Because wow. if, if you go through life without taking these horrible, painful moments, like you won't grow, you won't get better. So like, God, I didn't expect to get so philosophical, but like, I really think if if there's anyone out there who, who wants to try, please do. I think you won't regret it. I think that's a, that's a great shout. And I don't think it, like for me, for example, it's mm. never an idea that's, you know, popped in my head. Like, and I, and I think there might also be a generational aspect. I don't mm, know, mm. but where going to the comedy club isn't what it used to be. I think it's dead basically as a, as a thing. Cause the internet has, has proven to be just way better. You just go on YouTube and, yeah. uh, and find whatever you want there. Or yeah. and is it's that better. It? Like I can, mm. I can go, I know pretty much that if I want to laugh, I can be laughing in the next 30 seconds for free. You know, mm, I don't need yeah. to go pay 50 euro to go to a, a comedy club and drag myself into town for a maybe hit or miss experience, by the way. Like, and remember, right. as I said, like the level of comedy, especially in non-English speaking countries is very patchy. Like you may have a good time. You may have an absolutely terrible time and you will be sitting there wondering, why didn't I just go to YouTube and it watch? It could end up being a really shitty night, right? Oh, 100%. Like, it's a complete yeah. dice roll. Like, mm. And that does make it all the sweeter when it's good. Like when you, when you stumble across some new talent and you're like, whoa, this was amazing. But for every one of those, there's about 20 people who have self-selected to make their life uh, about being a comic and unfortunately aren't going to make it, you know? But yeah. that's just part of the deal and yeah. we move on. But uh, yeah. yeah. In, in this theme, actually, as we love to throw out uh, recommendations, hmm. did you ever see uh, Scorsese's King of Comedy with I, De Niro? I didn't, and I really need to because we saw Joker. I think we, we saw Joker yeah. together and Very inspired apparently heavily inspired, right? yeah. but no, I didn't see it. Yeah, and that was actually at the time that movie was just destroyed by critics and uh, Scorsese had basically done that and uh, something along the lines of the the Jesus movie Passion uh, mm. along these lines okay. uh, and that's when he then fell into this huge depression and was on coke and everything and then Raging Bull kind of brought him back but yeah. basically that movie revisited now everyone loves it absolutely and it's it's i mean it's a vintage de niro performance but basically he plays this this stand-up comic who who starts stalking um uh, a guy played by jerry lewis mm. who's who's a comedian in uh, in the movie and a lot of what you're talking about you 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 see a lot of that yeah. uh, in in the film and i yeah. think it's uh it's masterfully done so i just wanted to throw that out there uh as a, as a timeless uh you know piece on uh, exactly. on the stand up scene i'll take yeah. it out i'll take yeah, it out yeah absolutely so you can't see yourself ever uh taking the plunge into into the world of stand up i mean uh i don't know yeah I don't after what you've told me you've mm. planted the seed that's for so. sure cuz remember it doesn't necessitate being funny to get a laugh on stage. Right, that's the thing. Right? What it necessitates is joke structure, right? 
timing. That's Dar- always well, the joke, right? huge. Yeah. But then Dara O'Brien, a very famous Irish comedian, put it perfectly. He comes from a science background before he was, uh, or debating in science background before he became a comic. And he, what his realization was is that the thing that makes uh, a joke funny for a stand-up is that the keyword, the punch word, is the last word in the sentence. So uh, the the word that makes the thing a joke has to be last. And you can just do that. Like you can you can sit down with a funny idea and then reword the sentence so that the punch word comes last. And there you go. There you have a joke now. Right. And you can say that to an audience and they will laugh because the structure is is set up to generate a laugh. If the punch word comes in the middle of the sentence, they won't laugh because they're still listening for the rest of the sentence. So it's like little realizations like that that you can just hack basically. Like you can science your way through uh, writing a stand up uh, right. set. You know, and all you need is five minutes, right? They call it a, a tight five. So uh, any night, any sorry, comedy club, you know, with an open mic, you tell them I have five minutes. They're like, yeah, off you go. Right. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, go for it. But but that's crazy that you say five minutes mm. and I'm sitting there or those that crowd is sitting there in Baltimore watching Chris Rock do that for one an hour, hour yes. 60 minutes. And an hour is a very different beast, right? Like right. these comedians, even obviously Chris Rock is an absolute legend of the game and I'm sure it's no problem for him. But most comedians, I think when they put an hour together, it's like writing a novel. It's like a proper right. big, big, big piece of work. And I imagine he has a writer's room as oh, well. For sure, like, for sure, right? for sure. He's a product of it. Like he's a, he is a, a company kind of at this point. Right. right. He would have a staff like, but um, when you start out as a comedian, you do, you're still working towards that one hour, right? And like being a novelist, you know, it's you on your own, like you, you have to find it. And for every five minutes of material, there's probably 30 that didn't make the cut, right? So mm-hmm. you really have to be like prolific, even if you're writing like crazy to get to that level. And of course, I'm not saying everyone needs to go do that. I'm just saying, try a five minute set, you know, wow. because an hour is, is a whole other thing. Look at that. You yeah. all of a sudden a pitch man for the comedy industry. Yeah, but just don't expect to make money from it because it's right. <laughs> that's only going Minor one detail. way. Yeah. Right. Forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh you'll enjoy it. You won't you won't mind about the money thing. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> if you say so, well, listeners, there you have it. Our uh comedy guru. Uh what little I know. But uh passing on what I can. Do we have a, a, a closing take then on uh on Chris and his uh, and his work? On Chris in general or on uh, well, on, on this recent uh I suppose special. to summarize on the special, you're kind of like, you like it, you think people should watch it, you're happy with it. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody... Now, if you like Chris Rock, right? Because that's the caveat. Mm. If you don't like that type of a bit raunchy comedy, yeah. stay away, right? Well, it's because yeah. it's always Chris Rock, right? Yeah, you know yeah. what you're going to get. But if if you're into that, I don't think anybody's going to go into it and say... Give me that hour back, right? Okay. Cool. Um, well, listeners, let us know, and then you can come at me if that's not true. But I think uh, I think definitely worth it, and you know, within the within the context, I think uh, I think great. Now, uh, if there's some great all-time Chris Rock performances that you can also find, mm. you know, on on YouTube and stuff, and that's yeah. just. Uh, him at his best those i would would definitely recommend so i suppose what you're saying is if you're if you want to go watch some good chris rock just go do that instead yeah if, if you I want think to that's hear, what i'm getting at yeah. exactly and if you want to hear about the slap you have to yeah. watch the last 10 minutes of this one yeah and the rest you can take relief also because the issue with this one having been on netflix is you've probably already in the last couple of days in whatever newspaper you read mm. have read probably the key punchlines such a shame which yeah. is a shame right yeah. and that's kind of the the thing like why a lot of the time when you go to watch these big comedy shows they actually give you a bag yeah. into which to lock your phone big right? fan big fan yeah. of those yeah 
I, I like I think that should be everywhere, every event, everything. Absolutely. Yeah. But also, like just extending that, I think also at concerts. Yeah. Because you nowadays, like, and you hear a lot of artists talking about it, yeah. that they're just staring out into, you know, yeah, ten thousand people with yeah. screens. Yeah, and exactly. it's just like and flashlights. And it's like people are actually watching yeah. you perform live, but through their phone. But and, I I was at a concert where it was I saw Tool in Dublin uh, about a year ago uh-huh. and it was extremely strict. They didn't take your phone off you but they were like you'll get one warning and if we see you with your phone again you are out of this gig and they did not hesitate like there was people behind us in front of us who what happened was there was all these guys whose bouncers whose only job was to look into the crowd and then if they saw a phone up they would shine the torch directly into the phone lens because you can't miss that if you're if you're filming you're like whoop okay and then uh, they didn't take the warning and then the guys just in front of us did it again and then they're like you're out guys you you were warned like that's it and then the great thing was at the end of the gig they played the last song the encore Maynard James Keenan comes out the the lead singer Uh and he says okay now you can start filming on your stupid phones and then uh, everyone's phone comes out for the last right away. Yeah, yeah. but at least that's a good compromise where he was like you know he knows that everyone wants he to go this is 21st century yeah and right. everyone wants to get a shot to show they were there and something to remember i get it and he picked a song that he's very confident in so it's all fine but i think uh that was spot on it was like enjoy the gig don't film it and then yeah maybe at the end get a little clip yeah listeners you're there for a live performance enjoy it well, there you have it, listeners. For all of you that actually made it this far into the podcast, this is me recording live again. Thanks for joining us. And we look forward to having you back for a new show next week. Send us all your postulations. In the meantime, tweet at us at impostulation. Email us, lostinpostulation at gmail.com. So long, farewell, arrivederci.